Wednesday, October 25th. Let's welcome back, Vix. It's good to see you in good health. We were sending all the Flames Talk vibes uh, your way last week while you, while you were uh, convalescing. So it's good to have you back. It's great to be back. It must have worked because here I am. Back at 100%. Eh, call it 85. You look, you look like a million bucks. Thanks, Aaron pal. Vickers of NHL.com is with us as this hour gets going. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, not only are we welcoming back Aaron Vickers, we're also welcoming in Brent Cron to kick Speaking off. Speaking of hour. looking like a million bucks, oh, is he ever? I'm a wearing scarf? a scarf today, just so you know. Um, I would, I you know what? I would say you can touch the threads, but you probably shouldn't. Out of solidarity, I'm going to put mine on. I don't want the, the grease on his. It fingers should be too. behind museum glass, and uh, the amount of compliments that I've received today just. Walking around, minding my own business, it, it blew me away. Now, is it cashmere? Probably. I haven't, I haven't checked the content. Not of, even of, you of, have touched it. I can't. Aside from the back of my neck, that's about it. And my, I, I, I wear gloves when I put it on. Right. You do. You do. You look velvet great. gloves. You look like a white gloves. That cotton. Oh, cotton gloves. Um, Croner looking good. He's got his uh, peacoat on. His nice peacoat on. Yeah. He's dressed to. He's dressed like a downtown important businessman, which he is. So you know what? It's it's. I have a belt that was bought for me. That is. Uh, I'm going to show it to you here right Whoa. now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Quite nice. Brown brown leather. That... Yeah. Well, it, it it is nice, but. <laughs> But it's oversized, right? Oh, oh, that's what you were showing. Yeah. Oh. Um, I don't like to flash it around very much, so I have to tuck it in a couple belt loops. It yeah. still, it still serves its purpose. It keeps my pants up. It matches my pea coat. It matches my it tan shoes. shoes. And so I'm not complaining, but uh, uh, just I wanted you guys to see kind of what I was dealing with because it's uh, it's a little bit cumbersome, a little bit uncomfortable. You know the. Truly a burden to be Brent Cron. The the things that he carries around on his shoulders. The I don't fashionista. Know, I don't know how he gets. Uh, I don't know it, how he gets through each day with curse, all of that on your. If you will, right? A curse. Um, um how how are we doing? By the oh, way. Oh man. I watched the game in the entirety last night, and I was I I was my son and I were sitting uh, watching the big screen in the basement. It's a huge TV. You know, it's monstrous. Of course, no big deal. Uh, uh, With that fashion sense, it better be. Obviously, right. There was actually a curtain in front of the screen, and it opened up as the Flames game started. And uh, was the curtain cashmere? Velvet. It was velvet. Okay. And uh, and so they start the game off early. I took my son to the pregame skate to go watch the Rangers because Shesterkin's. Okay. I love that guy. I think he's awesome. And uh, my boy's twelve years old goalie. You know. Dad, uh, dad has all the answers. My dad had all the answers. He never played goal in his life. But my dad would always say, you know, just we watch hockey night in Canada. Do this, do that. Oh, well, it's a piece of cake, Dad. Whatever. Just tell me to what to watch. So I'm, I'm grateful and I'm fortunate enough to take my son to go watch these guys. Um, and uh, we got, we got there. Watch pregame skate. After the main practice is over, Kreider and 
All these guys are doing at the uh, at one end deflection drills. All right, shots on the point, deflection, 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 deflection. And my son's looking at me. He's like, "Hey, you know, what are you, what are these guys doing?" I'm like, "Well, watch these guys. These are bombs from the point, and these guys are they they got a stick on them all the time. Whether it goes in the net, but they're they're touching them nonstop." Didn't think didn't think anything of it really. We all practice what we're good or we're not good at, right? So we watched the game last night. Yep. Flames get off to a great start. I thought they for the first 10 minutes for sure, 12 and a half, maybe 15. They dominated the game. Scoring chances. Um, Coleman gets the first goal. Goes through Schuster. But it was in the slot. Coleman's left-handed shot. Goes through Schusterkin's arm. Goes through him. Stop a puck. Comments are made that, you know, Schusterkin had a rocky start to the game which is never good to announce on a broadcast because it always just really, I'm sure he, I'm sure Shesterkin had a feed into his goalie mask as he was playing the game that, you know, oh, he's, 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 he's struggling. He's having a tough start this year. And then the last five minutes, it was all Rangers. And, and then Markstrom was making key saves. And I'm like, this is great. Like, they go into the second period up one nothing, And the last five minutes, they had some quality chances, like, there was a lot of block shots throughout the game. Like there was chances, but Flames and Rangers were kind of breaking these quality chances down. Then mm-hmm. the start of the second period, there's Rangers score. Deflection. Yep. Great, great deflection. Through his legs, goes in. 1-1. One, one. Sure. Number two. What a deflection that was. Like, I mean, we all watched the game. I'm sure you were in the... Doug Lacey's basement systems, basement systems. I was in the pre- I was in the press box. Oh, yeah. you were okay. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to pump stuff here, and I'm not very good at I like it. But it. You get it. I, I liked it. Good, uh, uh, good try. But but it, that was an unbelievable tip. Oh, absolutely, and and one of the best on the planet in doing it. And Chris cried. Well, let's give Panarin a little bit of credit too, because he sold the shot first. Well, but but you're 100 right because as a goaltender, if it, you know if it's usually a defenseman. He's going to try and take a slap shot, or, you, or you're going to hear the shot, right? You can't see it. Flames players in the lane. It's not going to get through, but you're going to hear it. You're going to know he's shooting. It's Panarin. He just slides that pass over, and it's a def- and you're like, wow. Like, it, the, the, the degree of skill from both players to just sell all of that was remarkable. But then you couple that with uh, Shesterkin's. He had three leg saves along the ice. Two on his right, one on his left. At key times in the game where the Flames could have built momentum by getting a two-goal lead and then maybe a three-goal. But Shesterkin wasn't having it. Yeah. And then the rest of the game was just whatever. I mean, that third goal, I mean, we've seen that before. This is the third time now Markstrom is letting the goal through his body somewhere where it's been a shot from the top of the circle. It's, you know, it's not a scoring chance per se, but it's close enough where the gap's bad. You give the guy a shot. Now it's 3-1. I mean, that's just, I thought Markston played a good game. That one goal didn't lose them the game. No, because they only scored once. Yeah. yeah. Right? And so it's easy for me to sit here because I got a lot of buddies that, that like to score a lot of goals and have scored a lot of goals over the years. Um, but you got Blake Coleman. Scores the first goal. That that first right pad save by Shesterkin was unbelievable. Right? In, I, think, I believe it was the second period. Second, second period, period yep. yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. And it was the first shot that 
everybody teaches you to elevate. And you can always tell, you know what, watching the game highlights, oh, just get it up, just get it up, just just elevate, elevate. I mean, I, I get it. I get it. But get get it up. We're, we're, we, we, we talk about this team with game breakers. It's, it's like I would take Blake Coleman on my team any day. I would. He's a hardworking guy. He's an agitator. He gets in your face. But he's a third guy, line guy. He's getting goals that are just garbage. That are he's plugging away. He's gonna get an opportunity. It's, it's that, hardworking goals. Yeah, for sure. Respectable. Yep. You want that guy in your team. But who's the guy that's gonna just bury it far down? Like, like you get that chance. It's like I'm not surprised that's on my stick. Like let's just get that in the net. Like let's go up. And and once again, it's after the fact. It's easy to say. Oh, he's got to elevate that puck. What? But who on the Flames is gonna do that? There, we're all just doing it by committee. We're all just throwing pucks on net. Like, you know, a prime example, uh, game one of the season against Jets, first goal the Flames scored this season was a power play goal against Winnipeg Jets. It was yep. it hit 19 skates and popped out to Mangiapane, and he buried the goal. Like, it was an ugly goal. Like, that's the last, you know, the, the skilled, last skilled goal I've seen from the Flames this season, and I think they played seven games now, was Coronado's goal. Short side against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah. yeah, and that was a goal scorer's goal. They were up one nothing going to third period, and they completely collapsed. So uh, I'm I'm curious. Well, first of all, on on Shesterkin, just because you brought him up, like he is. I don't know if there's maybe there's one or two other goaltenders like him that you know how they the the really and you you know this, but the really good the elite goaltenders do that. You know they tease you and then they close it off. I, I don't know if there's a better guy in the NHL at doing that than Shesterkin. Now, that comes from, you know, the most layman goaltender guy in the room, but because this guy's a pads, uh, this guy loves his goaltender equipment. He knows the position better than I do. Obviously, you know it better than both of us. Obviously. But I just, that guy, that guy gives open looks and then closes them off because he's teasing you to shoot there. And, and I don't know if there's a better guy in the league to do it. He can read a play so well. It's so much fun watching him because he's he's ahead. And sometimes, to his detriment, he's ahead, right? So they make the comment he hasn't started the season off very strong. But the Rangers are still in great position. Like, they are four, they were 4-2, and two, I think, before last night's. 3-2 four, and two coming. 4-2 four now. Okay, 4-2 yep. now. Okay, so 3-2. and two. Um, His backup is Jonathan Quick. And Quick's not lighting the league on fire anymore. But having a guy like that, for a young guy to come in and just have bounce things off of, um, between Shosturkin, Sorokin, Vasilevsky, all Russians, all Russians, but they're just they're they're so robotic. You know, you used to deal with the French Canadian style of goaltending, where it was all positional. Yep, and then we went to the, the Finnish, you know, development where it was all athletic, and now we're going through a Russian phase where th- these guys are very similar to the Finns, in my opinion. Ru- uh, the, 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 the French Canadians were just kind of, there's, there, was a, there, was, there was an algorithm on how to stop the puck. It's just angle, this, shoulder. You know, there, there was athleticism to it, but not quite like this. Right. Um, watching these guys evolve, I mean, Vasilevsky is the best goal in the National Hockey League. And I mean, obviously he's injured now and he's not playing, but a guy like Sorokin, a guy like Shesterkin, you can, you can but I mean, they're phenomenal. They're as athletes, and then just mentally being able to just make those saves when required. I mean, I know the the Islanders aren't that great of a team, aside from having Sorokin back there mm-hmm. gives them a chance every night. But they, these are the guys. If, if 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 any parents are listening that have goalies as kids, these are the guys you want to 
Even a guy oh, like, I thought you were going to say move him to Russia. <laughs> yeah, well, why not? Wait, why wouldn't you want to go there? But uh, but you watch these guys, now. <laughs> and you just sit there, and you're like, these guys are so athletic. I mean, I I, I mean, I, I was able to back up Kippersoff a handful of times. I played against Ontario Nidamaki. I played with Kari Lettinen. Uh, Nicholas Backstrom for a little Backstrom, while. Backstrom, I played, I played against with Pekka Pe- 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 um Hanno Toivon, and all these guys that were just... The, the, that's a pull. Oh, it's, a pull. but he took me a second. He Boston was, organization, yeah, Boston. absolutely. And then he went to Chicago for a bit too. And the, all these guys were built the same. They were, they were, they were, they were built off athleticism, ability, and compete. Right? There was no style and how you were supposed to stop the puck. Your job was just supposed. Your your job was to stop the puck. It's always your fault. Like yep. I, my 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 boy's a goalie, and he he's kind of working his way through things and. You know, I, I was taught to me at an early age, too. It's like, well, you know, you're a goalie. So you chose the position. So at the end of the day, there's so many goalies that uh, uh, blame bad defense. I was one of those guys, too, at one point, or missed assignments. But at the end of the day, you're the goalie. Like, if, whether it's a good goal or a bad goal, it's your fault. Like, just own up to it. It's your, it's your fault. And get up. Right, and, and and what I just admire about the Kippersofts of the world, which taught me a lot, the Shusterkins, the even like the Connor Hellebucks too. It's like you watch the game Saturday night against Edmonton. He like he gives up two goals right off the in the first five minutes, and you're in Edmonton, and it's a statement game for the Oilers, and they got to make their way back, and it's two nothing right off the bat. And you're like, wow, this is gonna be a long night for Connor Hellebuck. There's 55 minutes left, and we're down two nothing in Edmonton. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't want to be here, but they win the game three two. Stick with it, stick with it. And that's what I admire about these Russian goaltenders is the, is the fact they just they stick with it. Yes. Oh, yeah. You struggled this season. You, you're not starting off on the right foot. Too bad. Yeah. Who's who cares? I know. I believe in myself, and that's the thing. I believe in myself. Nobody's trying to fail. Nobody's trying to suck. I mean, there's there's goaltending. You're on an island always. So you may as well just assume everything is your fault, and then just get up and go back to work. And that's what I like about Shostak. He's smooth. Let's in an early goal. Oh, yeah, he's, he's having a tough start this season. He looked a little shaky at the start of the hockey game. Well, did he really? Probably not. I mean, it was a one-on-one shot from Coleman. There's nobody in between them. No, but it's Coleman, though, too. It's like, who knows? He doesn't know where that puck's going. He's just shooting it on net. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the worst thing is is having guys that don't know how to score a goal shoot pucks on you with their head down. They just fire it on net. He's a left-handed shot. It's coming off on uh, on on Shesterkin's glove side. He's shooting at far side. It, it's going through his arm. It's like, everything. well, it's a bad goal. Well, like I don't think Coleman tried to put it there. Coleman's just throwing it on net. I played, you know, and, and I and I always just, you know, selfishly. How does this all relate to me, right? So, so that's how that's how that's what Brent wakes up and says, right? It's like how does how does the day relate? To how me? does this revolve around me? So, <laughs> I'm I can't wait to see where this goes. So last week Thursday, where I was up at the Glen Cross Invitational, and, yeah. and by Invitational, yeah. obviously you two were invited. I was invited, right? Obviously, so I was playing goal. And the first game, it was, it was a big game. We went to a shootout. And, and these charity games don't go to shootouts. It's, it was a goaltending battle. You know, it was a goaltending battle. And uh, it was 1-1. I let in the first shot of the game, so I don't take warm-up. And, you know, I could have been better, but I, I, I don't care, right? We go to a shootout, and, you know, you got the likes of Stage, and you got the likes of Glenn. You got guys that know what they're doing. And then, uh, I think, I forget his first name. I, I know it was McIntyre. Fighter, Steve McIntyre. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 McIntyre. He comes in. Oh, thanks. And so he comes in. 
he wins the shootout because he's trying to go top glove and he hits it off the inside of my thigh and goes through my <laughs> five hole. Right? And I was like, wow. Is that what you're saying Blake Coleman is? The, the, I, man, I've scored 20 in this league before. Good for him. But like, he, you just, they're just getting it on net though, right? Like, that's the thing. A guy like Shesterkin is going to stop a guy like Blake Coleman 10 out of 10 times. Skill versus skill. Having said that, in a game that doesn't matter. Right? So how are you going to read a guy? Steve McIntyre, I mean, I'm fat. I'm 41. I'm, I'm a tremendous athlete. Still can uh, do the splits. Every, every tough guy on the planet that gets a breakaway if, wants to go bar down. <laughs> so my glove was sitting by my ankle waiting for him just to pick his head up. But he didn't pick his head up. Right? Didn't head even have down, a peak? Head down and shot. Head down, going bar down, and off the inside of my left thigh. <laughs> I can still, I'm, as I'm sitting here. It hurts. I was gonna say more importantly, are you are you bruised? Oh, for sure, I'm bruised. Ego or physically? Both. Okay. Yeah. So he, what you're saying is he did not hit his spot. No kidding. But like neither did Coleman. Who shoots through through for a seven hole? Aside from a guy that actually is a legitimate scorer, right? Like Coleman's goals are they all count? But they're but they're gritty garbage goals. Manjapani's gritty garbage goal. Like that's all. That's what those guys do. Right. Who's the guy that's gonna beat? There's very few guys that can beat you one on one. In this league, is in terms of like skill versus skill, yeah, right, yeah, hundred percent. So you just sit there and say, like, okay, well, it's, well, early goal, one nothing, it's great. Well, you know what? They need to get two or three here now just to bury them, but they didn't because. Well, and then and then by the end, I know that a lot of the um, thought was uh, too much perimeter stuff, and you're not gonna you're not oh, gonna be man. you're not gonna be beating a guy like Shesterkin. When you're getting a lot well, of shots and you're telegraphing from the absolutely everything, yeah, right. Like, like this is this is a peewee or even like Adam power play right now, right? Like everything is telegraphed. Who are they giving the puck to? Tell me who's 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 going to be the guy that's going to get you what I get as much traffic in front of that. Let the don't let the guy see it. You're not going to beat them. Yeah, they're not doing that very well no, at all right no, now. Are not they? at all. Yeah. Right, at all, so it was like I was at the I was at game one, and I found it hard to 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 dissect the game because I was there, and they serve stuff. But then, I, but then I was at home and I watched the game last night, and and it's I'm just sitting here just wanting to throw my remote at the TV. It's like make a play, but who's who's going to make that play? And that's the thing that, right now. Yeah, uh, Croner is with us, by the way. That's that's what we're seeing right now is who's going to be that guy. When they need, they scored four goals in these three losses, and when it gets down to crunch time, you're kind of thinking to yourself, "Who's going to be that person to score that big goal?" I even look at the first 90 seconds uh, of the third period last night, where they open on the power play, and I go into that power play saying, "This is a big moment for the Flames," but you're thinking to yourself as you're watching the power play, they need somebody that is going to make that play, whether it's the person who scores it or whether it's uh, a great pass or whatever the case may be. And feels like Vicks right now, that's kind of what they're lacking. There's a level of unpredictability that could help the Calgary Flames power play in that they don't have a definitive guy that's going to pull the trigger. There's no Ovi, there's no Tyler Toffoli this year, so on and so forth. But they also don't have a go-to guy that's hurting the power play. They don't have a pure finisher right now. They don't we'll get the puck to Coronado. He's the closest He's thing. He's probably the closest one right well, now. Well, that goal yeah. he scored against Pittsburgh was awesome. You know he's going to make mistakes, but who else? Do you, where else are you going to go, right? Hubert O's a passer, and you have Toffoli, who's a second line player at best, was their game breaker last year. 
and he goes and signs a big big wheel deal over in Jersey, great. But understand your understand where you're at as a club, honestly. So so what what can you control? You can you can control your work ethic. You can control your 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 blue lines, right? Getting pucks in, getting pucks out. It's right. boring and it sucks. The cycle, um, like, let's go. You're you're not you're not going you're not blowing the doors off of anybody here right now. Everybody knows that Huberto comes in and he's going to be passing the puck, right? No, maybe. I would think that that guy's passing the puck nonstop. More so, his shot totals would would less, agree with you. Well, yeah, but yeah, yeah, for sure, he's he's shooting it a little bit more than he did last but, year, but still will but always be there. That's because that he's got nobody to pass it to. Ben, the the offensive issues right now are are something that I think are well teetering on teetering on um, making frustration take over. Well, it's a what, little worrisome for sure, but you know it's it's easy to solve these problems in this room. When you're up against a cap it, who you're going to get? What do you have to give up to get somebody that can put the puck in the net? It's not that simple, no. Right? Like we, especially I right now, it's for not. sure. So it's easy to complain and whine and say, "Well, it's all you know." We're the idea guys here, but we're not the guys that are, we don't have the tools or the toolbox. We're just sitting here, oh, you know, Connie, just get this guy and make the trade for this guy and do this and do that. It doesn't work. But uh, but what I do have a gripe about is the is the fact that everything now. All the hurdles that were presented at the end of last season are are gone. Right. All the excuses are gone. Gone. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. big big bad Daryl's gone. You know. Oh, he was too hard on me. Or this is gone. Or this is gone. Or now, Backlund signs a two year deal and he's a captain now. Seven games in. Yeah, I know. Who cares? It's seven games. We'll figure it out, and I hope they do. But all your barriers that you complained about last season. Are gone. Well, and that's and you're falling on your face right now. So that's what? what that's what I thought was so important about what Nikita Zadorov said. I don't know if you heard what he I said. did, and I loved but, every but second he, of it. He he said the same thing, and I thought that that was really important to hear from a player. Just that, hey, and 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 Nikita was always very complimentary of Daryl and and gave Daryl a lot of credit for really getting his game to another level. But he said, hey, last year was Daryl, and that's gone, and that excuse is gone. And I think that's a really important thing to underline, that as much as they had, I, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind anyway that they had to make that change because you can't have a coach and a group of players butting heads like that. And the coach is, is obviously the easier one to change. So I fully believe that the move had to happen and their internal review was done to make sure that they're making the right choice that yes, they have to move on from this head coach, but that doesn't mean that Daryl was the only reason last year went off the rails like it did. And now to your point, that's an excuse, a giant excuse that no longer exists for this group. And, and for, I think, you know what, and I've played with a handful of Russian guys too. Like, you're just direct. You ask them a question, they'll tell you exactly what they think. So so everybody gets all wound up. Well, we shouldn't have said that in the media. Well, you we can't say this. Well, there's really no filter on those guys. For the for, for the the guys I played with over the years, it was, you'd ask them, you know, you, you'd be in a dressing room and 
and the Czech guys too and whatever else. Like, hey, you know, we're in Regina on a, you know, where else would you rather be pump up speech? Well, I'd rather be golfing in Hawaii. Well, that's a very valid point. <laughs> right? Thanks for asking that question. I would actually not rather be, I would not want to be playing hockey right now. I'd be playing golf in Hawaii. Like, so, so you ask him a question and it's like, you're going to get an answer, right? And, and, and so you have to understand the dynamic in the dressing room. I like to keep things in the dressing room. What bothered me is how all this frustration and dismay became public. Last year? Yes. Yeah. Which I think is a weakness of leadership, in my opinion. If you're going to just complain to dad and have dad solve the problem, I think that's weak. I think it's, I, I think it's a giant... Uh, uh, red flag? A giant red flag. Uh, I do, because if your players are saying, well, we're not going to do this, we're not going to do this, and, and they're going to the media... That's a problem for me. Now, okay, so they've listened. So now you don't have an excuse. I'd like to give Huberto the benefit of the doubt. I'd like to give Kadri the benefit of the doubt. Yes, he was good in the first period. You know, drives the net, fight, all this kind of stuff. We want to see that energy. Throws a water bottle. That's awesome. But but you've called your shot now. So who else are you going to blame? Right? It's it's on them now, right? It's on them now. Yeah. It's on them now. Oh, Lindholm doesn't want to sign unless Daryl's gone. Well, Daryl's gone. He hasn't signed yet. Hannafin who we thought, Hannah Finn, sorry, uh, who we thought would never sign is now close to signing a deal. Backlund, that wasn't going to be here unless Daryl was gone, has now signed a two-year deal and he's the captain. Great. I think Backlund should be the captain. I love the guy. I think he's awesome. But you you are publicly eliminating hurdles now. Which just intensifies the spotlight which just on, now, on the players uh, without seeing the result. Without, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So and, far, yeah. And, and then, well, yeah, and it's seven games in. But like, I was going to say, I want to ask you this. Is it more alarming that we're seeing the frustration after game six and game seven this early? No. Or is it just a continuation of it's it, game 89 of the 2022-23 it, season? That's exactly what it is. Because they should be frustrated. And you can say whatever you want in the media and we should all gut check time and look ourselves in the mirror and do this and do that. Sure, great. Um, But what's really the problem? What's the problem, right? So you got the same guys here and... They're whining, complaining about not having what they needed last year. That's all removed. And like I said, we're seven games in, so like let's just put the brakes on here for a second. But for me being a fan, you have everything that you want now. Dad, I need this, I need this, I need this, and I need this. And if I get that, I'm going to do everything that is required. 20 games from now, we may not even be having this conversation. You know what I mean? They're going right. to figure it all out. Like, we don't know. But for right now, game seven in... This team is a tire fire right now, and their their most consistent player is Markstrom, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, I've I'd actually agree been, with that. I've, I've actually been with that. I've actually been pretty impressed with how he's doing. Um, but the guys that have been whining, and complaining the most have been the worst. So I don't know. Bring your small violin to practice next, tomorrow, <laughs> or whatever, and we can just uh, listen to you play your swan song. Like, come on. Uh, before we let you go, I do. Uh, somebody was listening, um, and uh, they may have had some intel on the Glen Cross Invitational. You were in one net. Who is in the other net? Reed. Yeah. The, uh, the Scott Reed. Did he do better than you? No, he didn't. I um, think I think what? he might have. Scott Reed, of course, is uh, the color voice of the Flames. Uh, Megan Mickelson's significant other. Well, the, the, the problem is, is like Reader. Reader, I'm going to side with him on this. Reader got a lot of junk shots, right? Like just a lot of perimeter shots. It's like we were the Flames playing against the Rangers, essentially, right? And so I didn't get. Does that many... make him Shesterkin or you Shesterkin? I'm Shesterkin, okay. but, but we still lost somehow. Um, you know, it was a joke, really. And Reader and I talked about this, and he agreed with me. And he he probably won't even uh, he won't, he can't admit to this now because he's fully committed. 
but uh, he's a lot more tired than I was, but I made a lot more big time saves. And uh, ah, it's, it's okay. not it's not how many saves you make, it's when you make your saves. That's all. Because he lost in the final. Just saying. I just, you call it the way it is. I, I, I expedited my drinking time by playing earlier and then going to the play poker. So. I, I would have assumed that whoever came away with the W is the true winner. Well, nobody's really playing for W's. They're playing for, we're playing for charity, Vic. So that's the true win. That right? is the true win. Right. And so, you know, if you want to put labels on it and make it all about individuals, that just speaks to your character. That's all. <laughs> uh, thank you, Croner. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Brent Cron in uh, with us this hour on Flames Talk. We're here in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. Anything and everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time now for a Wednesday edition of the Daily Flames Roundtable for Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Get the chance to drive a brand new GLC 300 with zero down for $1,099 a month. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Minutes from the Calgary Airport. It's Steinberg, Vickers, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Wednesday Roundtable. And Gents, I, I know it's early. I know that we're uh, less than 10% of the way through an 82-game season. Haven't even played the Heritage Classic yet. Only seven games into a brand-new campaign. But with what feels like a really frustrated group, and we heard some of the comments post-game on Tuesday after the Rangers' loss, and we heard what Nikita Zadorov had to say Tuesday prior to the Rangers' game. I don't know. It feels like we're in a real critical juncture for the Flames right now, knowing what happened last year as well. That's just me. For you, gents, does does it feel like they're kind of at a, a real crucial point to their season already just seven games in? Well, I'm going to preface my answer by saying that uh, I'm certainly not uh, reaching for the panic button yet, but I do think they're for early in the season at uh, a pretty important point here because I think frustration that probably carried over from last season for a lot of guys is starting to build up again. Uh, We're seeing some trends that we saw last year again this year, including a lot of shots and a lot of chances, but not a lot of goals. And in turn, not enough wins in their first seven games of the season. So with what Nikita Zadorov said yesterday, and with what's happened in the last three games, having a tough time scoring and in turn a tough time winning, yeah, I do think they've got to get this thing turned around sooner rather than later. You don't want it to snowball again. You got off to a really good start last season. You start 3-0 and and then 5-1, and and then you lose seven in a row. And you were able to hang around in the playoff race because of your quick start and because the Jets – seemingly wanted to give that playoff spot to anybody who would be willing to take it. This year, uh, I wouldn't count on that happening again. And you don't have the cushion of a 5-1 and one start and 10 of a possible 12 points in your first six games of the season to work with. So they've got to get it turned around. The good news is, if you take a look at the Pacific Division standings, outside of the defending Stanley Cup champion Golden Knights, who are a perfect 7-0 and to start the season, no Stanley Cup hangover for them, everybody else has been... Man, I mean, the Canucks are okay with eight points in six games. The Kings okay with seven points in six games. But the Flames are three points out of second place and a couple of points ahead of their provincial rival, the Oilers. So uh, things could be a lot worse. 
Gents, I'm not going to lie. I don't know if it's time to hit the panic button or pause and take a breath. I'm not ready to declare that the sky is falling on the Calgary Flames seven games into the season, but the frustration is certainly real. And, Wilsey, you referenced the Zadorov comments, Coleman comments, uh, Michael Backlund comments. The frustration is real with this group, and I'm not going to claim that I'm the first to come up with this phrase or thought or idea, but this feels a lot more like Game 89 of the 2022-23 season than it does Game 7 of the 2023-24 season. And seeing and hearing the frustration from the players, both in the room when we're talking to them and some of the body language we're seeing on the ice, I get the sense that there's a little bit of unsettledness with this group. I don't know if fragility is the right word for this, but certainly the frustration is real with this group. I don't know if it's panic button time yet. As Pat mentioned, we're not even 10% through the season, but seven games quickly turns into 27, and the Calgary Flames need to do something to right the course that they're on. You know, it's it's not... Why I asked the question is not because of where the Flames sit in the standings or what their record is or or, you know, the rest of the Pacific Division. It's because of some of the things that we're hearing six and seven games into the season. Like... For Nikita Zadorov to say what he said on Tuesday morning, I don't think anybody was expecting that when we spoke to him. And, you know, he he busts out the Daryl Sutter's gone. There's no more excuses. And we've got too many guys playing like individuals. Do we want to play as a team or do we want to play for ourselves? And it's like six games into the season. Then they go out and they lose 3-1. And, and you hear some of the comments post-game and, and people being asked as follow-ups to what Nikita had to say. It just so So what I'm saying is, it feels like frustration is already high on this team and they're only seven games into the season. And what I worry about is because of what happened last year and because as much as they want to separate this year from last year, that's tough to do. And I just, I I worry about frustration boiling over early on in the year and then that being a detrimental thing that throws them off track. And then it's, you know, too far gone to be able to get yourself back on track. That's, that's why it feels to me like they're at a critical juncture. They've got to figure some things out. They've got to, they've got to do everything in their power to not let frustration take over here. Yeah, I would agree with you. And we had a great chat about it uh, on the post-game show on Tuesday. And, you know, I think they're at a stage where they need to start scoring some goals and need to start winning some games. And then uh, everything will feel a a heck of a lot better. But uh, they're going to have to put in the work to make those two things happen. And I think it's harder to make those two things happen when you're frustrated before the puck drops or pretty shortly after the puck drops. You know, and the Flames have done some really good things in some of their losses this season. And I would include last night's game in that. I thought they were the better of the two teams in the first 10 minutes and the better of the two teams in the last 20 minutes. It was the 30-minute sandwiched in between where they weren't. And when they were the better of the two teams, they scored one goal. And when they weren't, they gave up three. And even though they were probably better five-on-five than their opponent last night, They lost a special teams battle by two and and lost the game by two. So it's like they're finding ways to lose. They got to start finding some ways to win. And hey, if they beat the Blues on Thursday and then beat the Oilers in the Heritage Classic on Sunday to get back to 500, I think we're having a much different conversation about them next week. And I think they're feeling a lot better about themselves next week.
Yeah, a couple of wins would certainly change the vibe of the team. And we remember back in training camp where everybody's coming in refreshed, renewed, and there's a, a new sense of optimism with this group. And suddenly seven games in, and Pat, I'll agree with you. I'm not saying that there's not frustration. I'm going to say that it's too early to let frustration set in. And I think that's what we're seeing a little bit. Um, in terms of Nikita Zadorov's comments, I don't see it personally as player X is trying to pad his stats and not playing within the system. I just don't know if everybody's on the same page in terms of being able to or properly executing Ryan Huska's system. And when you let yeah. the couple of things, the lack of production, the lack of scoring, and ultimately the lack of wins, you get this building frustration. This can turn on a dime with a couple of wins, as you say, Wilsey, but they have to go out there and do it because we're running into the same formula of, well, the Flames didn't play too bad. They outshot their opponent, but they didn't get the well, win. That happened all last season, and, and here we are. That, and that's why, because, and, and like we're still talking about yeah, professional athletes, the best at their craft in the world, but they're still, they're not robots. And so they also have memories. They also have brains. They are like, you know, like the, they, if we're making the comparisons to last year and they lived it and they played it, of course, it's going to creep into them as well. And yes, it's the, on them to block it out and not let that happen and not let frustration take over. But that's, that's not how being a human works all the time. So that that's why, it just feels like, okay, like I'm not saying that they, if they lose on Thursday against St. Louis, the season's over. I'm not trying to paint it like that. It just feels like we're kind of in a really important pocket here over the next couple of weeks where Flames have got to start to correct some of the things that are leading to losses so that the frustration and the memories of last year don't turn into something that's a little too untenable. Yeah, and I mean, the easy thing, and Pat, you probably know it better than any of us, the, the easy thing to do is to blame the goaltenders. And Jacob Markstrom, I know he gave up a bad one last night. The third one is, is one he'd like to have back, but I can't pin that loss on him. It's hard to win in this league when you only score one goal. And how many times did that happen to him last year, where he played well enough to help his team win and they scored zero goals or one goal for him? Well, it's happened in each of his last two starts. So that is something that's carried over from last season that they're going to have to, to address sooner rather than later. They're still trying to figure out the defensive zone. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you can tell they're, they're not on the same page consistently in their own end. And at the other end, they just have to do a better job capitalizing on their opportunities. And as I said, post game on Tuesday, it's tough to win in this league if your best players aren't your best players and most productive players mm -hmm. on a pretty regular basis. And at this stage of the season, seven games in, that hasn't happened. Yep. Uh, Derek, Aaron, Pat, Daily Flames Roundtable on this Wednesday edition of Flames Talk. Um, well, and some more bad news is what we saw on Tuesday with Adam Ruzicka's first period injury. He left and didn't return. Now, I will say, uh, just doing some, uh, having some conversations, there is some optimism that this is not going to be a, a serious thing so uh, or a you know a super long-term thing so there's definitely some optimism on the Adam Rizicka front uh, from the Flames after what we saw on Tuesday so that that is some good news that it doesn't sound like it's going to be a, a big long-term thing but who knows we don't know how much time he's going to miss and so you know, we talk about this team's lack of offense, guys, and say that Ruzicka does have to miss a week or two, and he is going to be out of the lineup for a little bit. If that's the case, and this team is scuffling offensively, 
would you consider going to the American League and adding a younger, less experienced player to try to give a jolt in the arm and and try to see if a little youth can help this team generate a little bit more offensively? Yes. And there are two guys at the top of my list. And I know that there are a lot of fans clamoring to see former first-round pick Connor Zeri, and, and I'd like to see him in the league at some point in time this season. He's off to a really good start, leads the Wranglers with eight points in eight games. But all of those points are assists. And as we just talked about, the Flames need more players to start finishing. They, they are getting chances. They're not finishing chances. So the guy who I would recall for a number of reasons, and I'll out them, outline them for you, is actually Adam Klapka. Reason number one. He would add some size, six foot eight, 235 pounds. Number two, the Flames have three right shot forwards on the roster. He would be a fourth. And number three, he's second on the Wranglers with seven points so far this season. Four of them are goals. So for me, Adam Klakpa would, would bring some things to this team that they don't have a lot of. And I kind of want to see what he is at the NHL level, guys. For me, I'm going to go Connor Zeri. I'm going to go the opposite way, uh, Wilsey. And further to that, I'm one, he's your leading scorer in the AHL, and you need production. If he can set up some more plays, the guys can finish, so be it. I don't care if he's contributing assists, goals, whatever, as long as he can contribute something to production. But I'm going to totally revamp the lines if I do, because I think Connor Zari has to play in your top nine. I don't think there's a sense in bringing him up and having him on the fourth line. And we've seen Ryan Huska load up the top line with Hubert Lindholm, Kadri at times when they want momentum swings. Why not give that group a run? I don't think any of them are necessarily blowing the doors off, so let them support each other, see if they can get something going. Majipani, Backlund, Coleman, I keep together. I think they've been Calgary's best line from game one to game seven. I've really liked Greer, Sharon Govich, and Dewar together as a fourth line, and that leaves me Dubé, Zari, Coronado. A quasi-kid line, Dubé, the elder statesman on that trio, but I wonder if some youthful injection into the lineup with Zari and Coronado playing together. Again, not the old guy in the room, but Dylan Dubé with a little bit of experience. That's what I would roll out as my four lines and see if you can't get some more production, consistent production sparked out of all three lines instead of, you know, here and there as the Flames struggle to find goals. I, I just, I don't, honestly, guys, I don't even know if I have a strong opinion as to who it should be. I, Klapka and Zeri are two that come to mind. I know Schwint's been centering the Wranglers' number one line. I think he'd be like, it, it honestly almost doesn't matter who it is necessarily. Zeri would probably be the guy at the top of my list just because he has gotten off to such a great start. But, you know, Wilsey, when you talk about Klapka being a right shot, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of wisdom there, and I think that's a really valid point. I just, if you've got the opportunity, and this is no knock on Greer or Hunt, I thought Hunt was fine coming in in, in his Flames debut, but if you're looking for a little bit of a jolt and you've got a situation where Ruzicka might miss a few games... I just think it's something they should consider. Now, it may be all for naught. Adam might be good to go for Thursday's game against St. Louis. Uh, there is there is some optimism, so I don't know how long this is going to be. But if it is going to be a little bit, they've got the ability to put Kevin Rooney on LTIR, which would give them the cap credit to go into recall mode. They'd have the roster space to do it. It just seems like a good opportunity that they could look at while they are scuffling a little bit offensively right now. Yeah. Aaron, I'm going to push back a little bit and do so respectfully, of course. Of course. But uh, with the way this Flames team is built, 
I'm having a hard time numbering lines. And I don't look at their fourth line as a traditional fourth line anymore. And if you want to number the lines based on who's centering them, so whoever's on Lindholm's line is playing on the first line, and whoever's playing on Kadri's line is on the second line, and whoever's playing on Backlund's line is on the third line, or flip-flop Kadri and Backlund if you want, that's fine. But I think the Flames are looking for something a lot different from their fourth line this season than they probably ever have. For example, last night, you had Dylan Dubé and Matt Coronado playing on your quote-unquote fourth line. So, yeah, I could see Connor Zeri centering a fourth line, and I would be okay if they recall them. But the other thing I like to push back on, again, respectfully, is you can't get an assist if one of your teammates doesn't score a goal. And again, the Flames have had plenty of shots and plenty of scoring chances. They're not scoring enough goals. So if I called up Adam Klapka, my instructions to him would be, hey, you're 6'8", 235, go to the net and create some havoc. Because I think that's the one thing the Flames have to do a better job of, other than just keeping it simple. I think they've probably tried to do too much at times. Sometimes the right play when you get to the offensive blue line, if if you've got a roadblock there, just put the puck into a good spot and, and live to play another day or you know, set the table for one of your teammates to go in there and get it and, and, and spend some offensive time or spend some time in the offensive zone instead of, you know, turning the puck over and having to chase the other team the other way. And, and other than simplifying their game a little bit, which I think they need to do, I just think they need to get more traffic in front of their opponent's net. That's going to lead to some second and third chances. And if you start getting those, you're going to start scoring some more goals. From my perspective, the Calgary Flames haven't generated enough grade A chances, and I don't have the home plate stats in front of me. They this actually, is all anecdotally. They've actually been pretty good at that. See, five on five, anyway, they have. See, from last night when they're pushing and they're down two goals, three, maybe four exceptional saves from Shisterkin. And I think adding the skill of Connor Zari over the, the brute force of Adam Klapka would be the way to go. We saw the Flames throw a lot of pucks at the net last season. And the design idea was second chances and traffic in front of the net. And that was Daryl Sutter's system was Corsi them to death. And it didn't really translate into offense. So I'm more willing to bet on skill. And I, I want to go to the numbering thing, Wilsey. I don't, I don't care if... Um, Sorry, this is the wrong way to say it. I'm not numbering them one through four. I'm more going useless. Like to me, Backlund, Mangiapane, Coleman has been their most effective line. And if that's how you want to do it, then technically that should be the first line. I'm more going based on salary and maybe expectation of what those groups should uh, project. But for me, I think the Calgary Flames need more skill plays. And Connor Zari, to me, gives me more skill than Adam Klapka would. That was a good uh, edition of the roundtable, gents. Uh, we'll see what the Flames have got Thursday against the St. Louis Blues. Uh, Wilsey, it's not a 7.53 p.m. start on Tuesday, so that's good news thank right God from the get-go. Yep. Uh, thank you, Wilsey. Okay, have a good day, guys. It's Derek Wills. He's Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. That is your Daily Flames roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Book your winter detail package today for $349. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills minutes from the Calgary Airport.